This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the inaugural season of Hitting the Mark. Thank you so much for following me and being intrigued enough to listen in. So how did we get here? As a brand strategist working on brand launches, the types of investors and founders who realize the value of gaining brand clarity, focus, and subsequently winning the hearts of the audience is my sweet spot. And I'm glad to have a new outlet to talk with these types of big thinkers and doers. I will not have them tell us their life stories, as exciting as they usually are, but instead I will have each guest focus on only one brand that they either invested in or founded. I believe and I hope that a lot of listeners, and may that be entrepreneurs, investors, creatives, and academics, can gain valuable insights from these quick conversations. And when I say quick, I want them to be commuter-friendly episodes of around 20 to 25 minutes each. Okay, so let's dive right in. My first victim or guest is Raja Nemani. Raja is the co-founder of Rogue Trading Company, the parent company to Rogue Advising, Market Hire, and Rogue Brands. Previously, he was the co-founder and CEO of Bucket Feet, a D2C artist-designed footwear brand. Bucket Feet was acquired in 2017 by Threadless, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. So without further ado, welcome, Raja. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be a part of this. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. You know, we talked about this briefly, but I so badly wanted us to chat about Bucket Feet as I wrote about the brand in my latest book. I know just a little bit, um, you know, uh, of content about Bucket Feet as it related to the brand trade of individuality. But I see that you're moving at lightning speed and I founded multiple brands in the <laughs> meantime. So given my self-inflicted time limit for this podcast, I think we'll, we'll mainly focus on one of your newer ventures um, today. Uh, I think it's rogue brands that you want to dive in a little bit, correct? Yeah, sure. I, I think um, I'll have some stories to share uh, and some advice uh, from both. Um, you know, Bucket Feet was, was a DTC brand, which I'm sure is very interesting to the listeners, but... Uh, I'll pepper in a little bit about Rogue Brands as well. That's fantastic. Let's start. Let's start with Rogue Brands. So, what have you been up to? What What is What is the brand about? What do you do? Yeah, Rogue Brands is something I'm I'm really excited about. Um, more than anything, it's a platform. If e-commerce was about cutting out the middleman and going direct to consumer, uh, we think the natural next evolution of that is what we call factory direct commerce. Um, so factories selling their own products, building their own brands and going direct to consumer, no, no longer relying necessarily on, on brands, um, quote unquote, as, as sort of another middleman in the journey, but it also worked the other way. So Harry's is a great example. Harry's was a brand that is now completely vertically integrated, buying their razor factory, uh, to be able to, you know, react faster to consumer preferences to, to meet consumer demand. Uh, so I think it's a really, really exciting time uh, for consumers and for brands and, and sort of the intersection of the two. 
Well, it's fascinating because so much is going to change so quickly. And it seems like with Rogue Brands, you're going to be on the very top of that. And I think I think it's kind of um, hilarious that uh, my first guest on a brand podcast is the one that is aiming to cut out brands in the future. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is really yeah, not, 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 not cutting them out per se. I think I think they'll be built differently. Uh, I think given what's happening in technology and with consumer preferences, but, but yeah, you can also look at it that way. You re you reimagine it. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, you know, like one of those client journeys, how does it, how does it really work? Like, do you actually go visit, uh, the factories and do you figure out their entire, um, you know, uh, experience journey of how it goes right now and how they can actually build a brand around it? Uh, how, how does it work? Don't give away everything, but as much as you can. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It happens in in a couple of different ways. So a company that a lot of people may have heard of uh, based here in LA is a company called Wish. Um, it's an app um, that has grown to, you know, uh, sort, sort of uh, uh, huge valuation in a very short amount of time because their addressable market is, is really in the trillions of dollars. They're, they're enabling any factory to sell anything uh, direct to consumer. Um, we're going about it in a very different way. And what we believe is a more capital efficient way. You know, they had to raise a ton of money to be able to do this, to drive a ton of traffic to their new platform that hopefully people would see this and buy it. Um, we're going straight to the factories. So we're saying, hey, factories, you already make stuff for the best brands in the world, right? All the D2C brands we know and love in this country, you know, they're sourcing from a factory, whether that's factories in China or Southeast Asia or Europe or in the US. Um, and so we're going directly to these, these great factories and saying, look, you know, with technology, Shopify is out there, you know, with digital marketing, you know, using Facebook or Instagram, et cetera. Um, what it takes to actually build that brand and get to your consumer is very different today than it was 20 years ago. Um, quite frankly, uh, it's easier. And, and many of those things that used to be the, the hard differentiating part of building a brand have almost become the commodity. And we really believe a lot of the power rests in the hands of manufacturers because as consumer preferences change so rapidly due to things like social media, uh, manufacturers are in the best position to react. So I, I would say the biggest hurdle is that this is new. You know, it's scary, just mm -hmm. like, you know, for wholesalers, it was scary what was happening with online and do we go this direction or do we not? It's scary for factory owners to say that, you know, we need to evolve our business. But, you know, whether it's with the tariffs that are happening or, you know, different big retail customers of theirs going out of business, um, this is really the way for manufacturers to take control of their own destiny. So it, it's, you know, both the combination of opportunistic relationships we already have, as well as strategic, where we think it's a great category. There's a great opportunity for disruption uh, and we'll grow straight to the source and, and um, help them, you know, build again their own branded products um, to sell to consumer. Um, it's just that the brand and the manufacturer, I think, are going to sort of to sort of merge into into one and talking about that brand interaction so so far those factories that you uh work with or will work with in the future um they have relationships with brands i'm pretty sure right so that's most For probably sure. the toughest part of like how do they tell that story to the current um the current clients Absolutely. And, it, and it's hard. And it's something that I learned the hard way with, with Bucket Feet, um, you know, what it meant to me and, and how to do that. Um, but that's new to them. Right. And, and that is absolutely a skill set. It is, you know, arguably the most critical thing you can do because it defines everything else. Um, and so that is that is a hurdle, of course. 
But besides that, it's a pretty low, um, you know, barrier of entry. I mean, for them, like you said, it's so easy to build a brand these days as far as getting the word out and, you know, actually, you know, uh, crafting the entire story around it, that if someone like you comes in and helps do that specifically for those type of companies, um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty low risk for them. Yeah, you don't need you don't need big stores anymore. You don't need, you know, 30 years of relationships in the industry. Uh, you don't need a ton of capital even. You need an idea, you need a product, you need a Shopify page, mm-hmm. and you need some Facebook ads and, and you're off to the races. And and it's you know, brand, which is a very big part of product market fit, you know, you'd be amazed at how far true product market fit can take you. Um, 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 from a from a scaling perspective, um, and you know, we work with lots of companies, um, lots of brands with with our other companies, um, and it, it's really exciting to see when somebody gets that right, what's what's possible. Talking about that, I mean, you're you're at such an in- interesting intersection of of brand thinking and brand strategy and and brand uh, disruption in a way. What what does branding mean to you? I mean, with your with your background, you know, doing D two C and now doing factory direct, like how what does it mean? The word it's such a weird word, right? And it's been butchered so often. It, it so I, I just it, love it, to hear it, it from it different is, people. And people get it wrong all the time. And you know, I think people use things like marketing or branding, you know, uh, as the same thing. Um, um, so yeah, it, it, it sort of, I, I think it's so hard because it, it's this hard to sometimes quantify a, a thing. It, it's not something you can really hold on to very easily. It means different things to different people. I think, um, you know, to me, I, I think, you know, more technically branding is sort of your differentiator and value prop, but, but really more than that, I think it's your why it's your reason for being so, you know, great branding, I, I think is sort of about building a consistent, and I think that word is important, emotional connection to anyone that might interact with your company or yourself, because you can have a personal brand as well. Um, and, and, you know, one thing that sort of helps me think about it is I think of actually branding and culture as, as sort of, um, they're sort of mirror images of one another or two sides of the same coin. Um, you know, pe- people talk about, you know, living the culture and, and how you create a great culture and having the team embody these things. And, and I think um, branding is the exact same thing. It's just it's just external. It's outward to your customer. Absolutely. And, and, and you said it so well. And, and it's the idea of culture um, is so important. And I think that a lot of people used to think that branding is more about more about the how and the what than the why. And, and I mean, it really is solely about the why. And, you know, talking talking about this, I, I'm so intrigued with your particularly with rogue brands, because it is such a different type of of brand and, and interactions that you have with your clients. If you would if you would describe rogue brands in, in one word, like an emotion, right? Because you still, even though you work very much B2B, it, you still have to kind of evoke some sort of, you know, emotion and made it be trust or made it be, you know, what, whatever it is. You know, I, I always love to define a brand and I know I put you on the spot here, but I would love to define a brand in one word. I know that, you know, Coca-Cola is happiness and Evelyn is transparency and Sappos is customer service. And, you know, like every, every brand kind of has this word. Some of them actually spell it out and some of them don't even realize that that's what it is, but it's like that underlying why with rogue brands, do you have, like, can you, can you think about like one word that describes your brand? Yeah, it, it, it's so new, and so it is. It's something that we're, we we think about a lot. Um, I, I think if I was to 
if, if I'm put on the spot, yes, and you if are. I have one word, <laughs> because <laughs> because it's a it's a platform that that's really enabling these others. Um, I think it's efficiency um, mm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really, if what we're doing is really about cutting out all inefficiency in the process of people make stuff and eventually people buy that stuff, and there's all these things that happen in between. And you know, there was a reason for that. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, etc. But there's becoming less and less of a reason for that today. It's just because it has been that way. So if, if anything, I, I think efficiency is big. Um, if, if there was a secondary one, I, you actually uh, made me think of something. I, I think it would be something like trust. Um, because really, that, that is what uh, is allowing us to build this business so quickly, um, is it, having these big, big companies that have done things for so long in such a different way, um, trust to try something new, which, which can be scary for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. No, those are, those are great. Those are great, very ownable words in your, in your, you know, sector as well. Now, how does rogue brands, and I'm talking about literally the name rogue brands. So how, how does that name <laughs> go together with, uh, with trust? And I know there's a pun in it and, and, you know, but, but, but rogue can have a very negative meaning as well. So tell us a little bit about that because I'm fascinated with, you know, brand. Yeah. Names. So, so the holding company, so Chris and I have created a unique, uh, you know, uh, model where we've created this holding company. Um, I don't think Venture Studio really does it justice because those are run a little differently. Um, where we're launching, you know, um, these different businesses where, you know, we, we really have um, advantages in some way, whether through experience, through relationships um, or, or otherwise. Um, so Rogue, as a parent company name, uh, was really inspired by, by the East India Trading Company. Um, um, and so, you know, if you think about that, you know, that, that became one of the largest businesses ever. Um, and it was really about like finding people or things or stuff in some part of the world and taking it somewhere else and connecting the dots. Um, and, and if you look at all of our new businesses, whether rogue advising as an e-commerce strategy firm, uh, marketer hire, uh, a pre-vetted digital marketer marketplace, or Rogue Brands, a platform, you know, to enable factory direct commerce. Um, it's really, you know, connecting A to B. Um, it, it, they're, they're really all platforms sort of marketplace businesses um, or agency, um, etc. Um, and, and so Rogue, as, as the parent company, was really just, it, it, was, it was sort of a word that came to mind when we thought about the East India Trading Company uh, more than anything else. Um, and so we, we typically, for our very white, white, you know, white glove companies, we, we like to keep that rogue brand, um, what, whatever it is. Uh, for something called Factory Direct, the reason we call it rogue brands is because, you know, there's a negative connotation that comes with, oh, factories are just going to like sell these crappy products uh, to people. Um, and, and that's not really the case, right? That They're making the best products and the best products for the best brands that you already know. And so, you know, we really wanted to give off the connotation that it, it's still a brand that you're getting. It just so happens we're truly cutting out more of the fat in the middle where you're now going to get an even better price as the, as the end consumer. It's a good story. It's, it's not about brands going rogue after all. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Even yeah. though it kind of yeah. is um, in, a, in, a, yeah. in a way because you're, you're sagging when everyone sigs. Um, so with, with this particular factory direct platform, you really don't invest too much time 
in branding, right? Because you don't you don't really need to. I mean, it's more important how you bring it, the voice is most probably more important than your script and how you actually you know uh, talk about your value prop than it was with Bucket Feed. I'm sure. Yeah, sure. You you know, and and I think you bring up a really good point. You know, brand becomes this scary thing, and and it's a very hard thing. And and you know, it's one thing to sort of determine your why and what you stand for. It's it's a much different thing in a much longer process, as I'm sure you know through a lot of your work, to then make that come to life, right? Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a never ending thing. Um, you know, for us, it's just really about. I, I think that the simplest advice I can sort of give to people and not to sort of use that word again, is, is this idea of, of simplifying. People overcomplicate what it is they do, what they stand for. They try to be too many things to too many people. Um, and it gets really confusing. We, we made that, those mistakes all the time at Bucket Feet where we're trying to avoid that today where, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say um, and, and really try to boil down your value prop to uh, the simplest version of it. Um, because people are going to have a second if that to first interact with you. And that first impression means everything, as you know, um, every opportunity. Um, and so while, yes, it's, it's different for sure. Um, um, it's a different sort of, uh, uh, it, it, it sort of personifies itself in different ways through business. Um, but it really still comes back to, for me, <clears throat> what is it we do? Say that clearly. Um, why are we doing it? And everything else that you do as a company should follow that. Yeah, no, that's 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 absolutely that's a that's a wise thing to say, and that that works for any for any company, B two B, D two C, like in any any uh, venture at all. And I mean, going back to and, and it's hard to and it's hard to edit yourself, right? I'm sure you know. Yeah. Like, like people think it's harder to be super verbose about these things, but it's actually hard to edit. It's hard to edit yourself and really boil things down to the simplest. Um, and, you know, I, I know some of the work, work you do, and, and I think that's why it's, it's so helpful because really, really smart people have – it's hard to, to do that work, to edit yourself, and, and that's a big part of it, I think. I appreciate it. And I, I mean, that's that's why we, we just recently edited our own reason for being and our own value prop to to basically be about brand clarity, right? Like that idea that it's all about a very clear, you know, positioning, a very clear definition of this is what our culture should be. And so often, again, like branding affects company culture. And I'm sure um, back in the in the bucket feed days when, when you guys were changing your brand thinking and when you looked at, you know, customer behaviors and we when you kind of like redefined the why over time and as you went through branding exercises, which I'm sure you did at the time, um, I'm sure that all of that kind of like changes the way that people interact with each other even internally, right? I, I literally could not agree more. Um, everything improved from culture to excitement about coming into work to sales growth, to profitability, literally everything improved um, when we got clarity. Um, and, and so I, I think that's a really great pivot or shift or, or evolution for, for you, um, however you're thinking about that, because it, it determines everything. Everything is always much more clear in our own heads than others, right? Like what, whether you're dealing with, you know, a, a spouse or a friend or a family member or a company or a coworker, it's always clear to yourself. Um, and so, you know, the ability to get more clarity in everything you're doing, why are we doing this? What are we doing next? What are our priorities, et cetera, 
makes everything so much so much easier. And yeah, I, absolutely. I think I learned that you know um, the hard way. And you, and you know, I mean, with branding, it really is like that. You always have to look for an outsider to look to look inwards. And even with you know my statement of brand clarity, I actually interviewed a lot of different clients of mine from like ten years ago to like a year ago. You know, large companies, small companies, and I asked them how would they describe us. So it's really ridiculous because I'm the one describing them and creating their why and kind of like help yeah. shape that. And yeah. I reached out, and someone said it's like putting glasses on for the first time, and you see everything much much more clear. And I'm like, wow, that is really poetic, and it's really great. And let me let let me adopt that and so you know i'd like to take credit but that's how it usually goes with branding you know you you need to absolutely it, it's it's an evolution right it, it doesn't it doesn't stop um, totally it, it's not a oh we're done now yeah um you know your your north star hopefully is consistent that why right but everything else is gonna is gonna change as as the world changes so as we get more philosophical and as, as, as this also comes slowly <laughs> towards an end, um, what's, a, what's a piece of brand advice for founders specifically that, that you think would be a good takeaway from, you know, your history of working with all of, you know, with founding all of these different, different brands? Like, is there one piece of advice that, that you can just spit out at us that, that sticks? Yeah, and, and I'll try to be concise taking my own advice here. Um, I, I think it's simplify. So, so spend a lot of time and think very hard about your company's reason for being and then be absolutely maniacal about bringing that to life. And that's it. And, yeah. and that will take you a very, very far way. Beautiful. Beautiful. So listeners who fell in love with, with, with your multiple brands, um, especially Rogue, um, what would you like for them to be doing right this minute to support, to benefit from it, or just to learn more about you and, you and your ventures? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. Um, so we still make great shoes at Bucket Feet. <laughs> so, so check that out if, if you're in, in the market for new shoes. I'm, I'm no longer very involved there, but um, I, I'm a very big fan still. Um, and then my three new companies, Rogue Advising, uh, Marketer Hire, and Rogue Brands, um, we're sort of helping build and enable the brands of the future. So we work with really small startups, early stage, all the way up to you know billion-dollar uh, companies. So if, if you think we can help, please reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, please message me. And, and um, this, is, this is stuff I love to do and I love to think about and I love to talk about. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Um, we were really fortunate to have you, especially as, a, as my first guest here today. Um, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. I want to also offer a big thank you to Melinda Leifsey and Macy Serafi, who gave me the idea of having a podcast over an informal coffee chat a few weeks back. And here we are. Episode one is a wrap. Thank you also to Freedom Scott for technical assistance getting us here today. And last but not least, thank you everyone for listening. And if you do like what you have heard, there is much more to come. Um, so please hit that subscribe button and give the show a quick rating where ever you listen to podcasts it sure is much appreciated if you want to turn your venture into an admired brand keep listening to this podcast definitely but i also created a special podcast offer where you can get my new book on exactly that subject for six bucks at tinyurl.com slash fabian's book the hitting the mark theme music was written and performed by happiness one and I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.